0: Yeah, come on.
1: You see how y'all feel out there?
2: As a team, music found me. So I made my way to Howard University. That's yes, a chocolate you city. You yeah, ain't no. All Georgia and all the women that are beautiful. Graduated and I started to teach around that same time. I found the Go, Yeah. He
1: to me.
3: Welcome to School of Thought out of WPFW, Washington, D.C.'s only radio show at the intersection of social justice, higher education, and art. You were just listening to D.C.'s Been Good to Me by The Jogo Project. I'm Corinne Ruff.
1: And I'm Shalina
3: Chalani. And we're very excited to both be producing a very, very special show live today, both out of WPFW's Washington studio. You know, whether we're here or when Shalina is in Nashville, where she lives now, don't forget you can always find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all under the name Thought WPFW.
1: Today is also special because in the spirit of the holiday season, we're asking you to give The gift, give a gift to WPFW. That may sound corny, but it's not to us. It has been a dream
3: for Corinne and I, both young journalists, to have been welcome to the station. And, you know, at at the end of the year, it's often a time for reflection. And when I consider what is the thing that I'm most proud of this year, it's without a doubt the creation of this show, School of Thought. So we just wanted to take a little bit of time and thank all of you out there listening right now. Thank you for your support over the last seven months. And if you've been enjoying the show, we hope you consider making a donation to keep us on the airwaves of WPFW. So... Today, you know, while we're talking about burnout, we're talking about that feeling when you've pushed yourself so hard to work long hours that you eventually hit a breaking point. You drop everything or worst, you inflict self-harm, be that emotionally or physically. And this happens all the time, right? At work, in relationships, and it happens to students a lot.
1: In some cases, you can even be left out for not being stressed out enough. (laughs) I remember that from my college experience. There were times where I felt like my friends didn't want to talk to me if I wasn't as stressed out as they were. It's an issue we all sort of resonate with. But today on the show, we're going to actually go through the statistics. Stress is way more harmful than you can imagine, and a lot of students are dealing with it. And
3: later on the show for Artist Spotlight, we'll be speaking with Dennis Turner about this topic as well as his music. Dennis Turner has been a professional bass player for 20 years. He's currently working with several artists spanning various genres from hip hop to jazz, soul and gospel. And he also serves as the musical director, lead arranger and bassist for a lot of these projects. He performs and tours regularly with artists, including hip-hop artist Odyssey and Good Company, harmonica player Frederick Yane, and jazz and R&B group Jesse Boykins III and The Beauty Created. He's also worked with music legends like Stevie Wonder, Diane Warwick, Lionel Richie, David Foster, and most recently, the comedic genius Dave Chappelle.
1: Yeah, he's great. We actually saw him play twice this week. We went to the Kennedy Center to go see Odyssey and Good Company. Dennis was, of course, killing it.
3: He had a great set. He played at Soto in a little bit of a more casual setting at Tyler Lee Kosis' incredible late-night jam session. And because it's the nature of the jam session, there are artists from all over the city turning up to experiment and play with new people. And so I felt like we really got to see him improvising and just playing what he felt like. Exactly. And so we're excited to have him here on the show. And without further ado,
1: we're going to go straight into our news hits for the week.
3: summer, student protesters tore down a Confederate monument known as Silent Sam on the campus at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Many of these people have argued that the highly controversial statue is a symbol of white supremacy. It's one of several statues across college campuses that have become a source of tension, particularly as students call out their offensive nature, especially toward classmates of color. Campus administrators have been responding to these concerns, both on the part of many alumni who want to keep the statue, and current students that want to leave the campus entirely. This Friday, the school's top officials voted to reject a plan to build a new history museum intended to house the statue. The campus is now considering placing it off campus. In other
1: news, the nation's top education officials have also recently released a plan to erase debt, sometimes totaling tens of thousands of dollars. This debt typically falls on the shoulders of teachers that have been targeted by a federal grant program that goes by the name of TEACH. It was established in 2008 to encourage teachers to take on really hard-to-fill jobs in areas that are typically serving low-income minority children in these types of school districts. But the problem is the program didn't make it easy for these teachers to actually complete their paperwork so that these grants could become accessible. So what ended up happening is that these grants turned into loans with interest. After the publication of a year-long NPR investigation into the issue, the Ed Department launched a review of the program. Now it's saying it will give teachers who lost their grants due to these paperwork issues a second chance if they can prove they met the requirements. The debts are anticipated to be erased, and teachers will be refunded any money they've already paid off.
3: In other news, the Department of Education has delayed Obama-era policies that would have protected student loan borrowers. After a handful of for-profit colleges promising students valuable degrees shut down and left students saddled with debt, the department planned on forgiving their loans through a rule called borrower's defense. But when Betsy DeVos came in as secretary of education, she considered walking back that rule. But she was sued. And in NPR, as NPR reports, DeVos lost that lawsuit. Now, 15,000 people will be getting their loans forgiven with an amount worth $150 million for two for-profit colleges that closed. But since those two schools have closed, more than that have also shut down. So it's unclear whether those other students and their claims of fraud will be heard. As many ed groups argue, the current administration is being slow to address those claims. That's it for our news hits. Well, now we're going to get into our feature segment. And this is something that seems way more relatable at the end of the year as the year compresses and we think about the year ahead. And that's stress and burnout. So, specifically, what's top of mind for students is that they're finishing their end-of-year exams. Being a student and being stressed
1: out tend to go hand-in-hand. In In fact, we often glorify students for how little they sleep and how busy their lives are, but that's hurting them in the long run. In a survey this year from medical journal Depression and Anxiety, 75% of 67,000 students at over 100 college campuses reported they're stressed out. You're probably thinking, that's not a big deal, but that same survey also found 25% of those students also said they had been diagnosed with a mental health problem. 20% had thought about committing suicide, and 9% actually tried. Stress can result in impacts ranging anywhere from depression to actual physical or emotional harm. Sometimes it's hard for students to seek help
3: but we do know that students are trying to get it. Over half of college students that went to their campus counselors in 2016 said that they went because they had anxiety. That's according to a survey by the Association for University and College Counseling Center Directors. The second most reported reason was depression. Over the last several years, student activists have pushed more for access to mental health resources and for greater diversity among those counselors, and many universities have undertaken greater efforts to do so but there's still a pervasive culture of stress and hard work at many college campuses that peer pressure students to take on more courses, extracurricular activities, and part-time work that they can't sustain. Students often brag about pulling all-nighters, eating nothing but ramen noodles, and working seven days a week. And often this healthy behavior is applauded by professors, parents, and professionals. But studies show that when we're overworked, our productivity falls, and so does our health. So it's easy to cite these statistics,
1: but a lot more difficult to understand where they come from. We were fairly recently college students, and I can say from personal experience, I was pretty stressed out. But instead of going into our stories, we want to bring in the stories of a student, of a recent student. So uh, we're going to talk to Noah Bayon, who just graduated from grad school at Central European University Budapest, but before that uh, was an undergrad student at Georgetown. Hey, Noah, are you on the line?
0: Hi, great to be with you guys.
1: Noah, thanks for joining us on the airwaves today. Um, We want to start off by just asking you a little bit about your college experience. Um, Give us some context about what Georgetown was like as one of those so-called, you know, I guess, one of those types of schools, I guess, you would consider to where students are always stressed out. Of course, that's not the case only at Georgetown. It's the case across college campuses. But give us a little bit of context about what was happening at at Georgetown.
0: Sure. Uh Sure. You know, Georgetown, like you said, is a pretty rigorous place. And I think uh, it was home to a very performative culture of hard work, such that uh, a lot of people felt that everyone else was staying up late to uh, uh, go above and beyond and complete their assignments. And so you had to, too. Um, I think I was very much a part of that culture. I was a victim of it, and I helped probably perpetuate it. Um, But maybe the most succinct way I can describe what it was like there is by just relating the fact that mm, maybe around my sophomore year at Georgetown, I was at sort of such a point that uh, uh, I felt like I had to take caffeine pills so that I could stay awake at night to uh, compete with everyone else and um, manage my stress.
3: So, I mean, I can I can see that, right? I remember being a college student having folks pass out caffeine pills to me on the quad during, you know, the end of the year final exams. So, you know, tell me, did you ever seek out help from any of the counselors, or if you didn't, why why not?
0: I think I did a few times. There was one incident that sticks in my mind where I think I called uh, either the sort of psychological helpline or it might've been the campus ministry. I can't recall. And I left a message and no one returned my call. So that definitely speaks to what's probably a pervasive problem of inadequate services. Um, But I do think like you guys were talking about at the top of the segment that um, there's a pretty strong set of social factors that dissuade you from seeking that kind of help because, um, uh, you know, your inability to hack it is most often seen as a deficiency and not a kind of disease. Did you,
1: I mean, did you feel like you able? were able to manage that um, and sort of by the same token did you ever see any of your fellow classmates sort of struggle, fall under the pressure?
0: Yeah, you know, I think I managed to um, break out of the uh, uh, sort of cycle of of stress and burnout I was in by changing my environment, and certainly doing a campus exchange was crucial to that. Um, But there are definitely friends and acquaintances of mine, of course, this is anecdotal, who I think succumbed to it. Some of them dropped out. Some of them, I think, made it, but haven't really fully recovered in a lot of ways, so yeah I think we have to be thinking about this issue over the long term because its effects seem to be lasting
3: so my my question for you, Noah, as we're kind of wrapping up, is what do you think needs to be changed culturally to get away from this kind of society that congratulates and glorifies people who seem to always be burned out and, and stressed by the things that they're doing
0: Well, I mean first I want to say that some of some of the uh people who get um burnt out get that way because it's just in their disposition so um i i think it's impossible to imagine a world where nobody is stressed and nobody is burnt out that being said i do think that structural changes are needed um certainly uh uh, as someone who's now out of college but remembers those days uh I, I think we could do a much better job educa- uh, educating people about sort of the mismatch between academic achievement and real-world achievement. Um, and uh, you certainly can't achieve in the real world if you are uh, uh, working and living like a high-stress student. So that's sort of one thing. Um, you know i'm 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 leery of the idea of like you know seeding pop culture and doing public service announcements that try and take away some of the uh risk factors for burnout um, but that obviously has a role to play but I think um at the end of the day it's just it's just clear to me from my vantage point that that burnout um, is super unhelpful and super harmful and Above all, it's just unnecessary if you're thinking long term. And so that's the message I'd like to see instilled more.
1: Well, Noah, thank you so much for sharing your insight and your thoughts on the show with us today. We can't thank you enough. Yeah,
3: thank you, Thanks Noah. for having
0: me, guys. Take Thanks. care.
3: Thank you, and you know, as Noah said, stress and burnout can be healthy in some ways, but it can also manifest in very unhealthy ways and can lead to intellectual exhaustion and long-term fatigue, so if you're listening in and you feel like that, um, a a couple of self-care steps that um, counselors often recommend are to, you know, think about learning how to manage your time, learning how to break up big projects, taking breaks, setting reasonable goals, logging off of social media, and, you know, taking some time for your personal health, because that Benefits everyone around you in the long term. We have an incredible artist on the show today. His name is Dennis Turner. He also plays Odyssey in Good Company. So we're going to talk to him now. He's a bassist, he's been playing bass for 20 years. Hey, Dennis, do we have you on the line? We're here talking about talking about burnout and music.
2: Uh, how you doing? Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it.
3: Well, we're so excited to have you on because as we're talking about, you know, being burnt out and having gigs all the time, uh, we know that you're actually getting ready to play a gig right now at 8 o'clock at <laughs> Ben 1301.
2: Yeah, I am. I am. And, and I'm sorry I couldn't be there with you ladies today. I was, uh, I took this gig at the last minute. I got called about it uh, like maybe like a day ago, and I was like, you know. I, I, yeah, I missed my no, day, absolutely. So I about that. yeah
3: yeah that's kind of the life right so if you're tuning in right now and you want to go see some great music in the next 30 minutes you can pop on over to bin 1301 on u street dennis will be there um b-boy zo will be there jamming out on the keyboard
2: yeah he will
1: (laughs) (laughs) so dennis um we just saw you play uh at the odyssey show um, and we've been playing songs off of a live Odyssey album that you exclusively produced called Beneath the Surface. For our listeners unfamiliar with your work, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, I'm, um, I'm from D.C. I'm a D.C. native. Uh, went to Anacostia High School, studied music at Norfolk State University, traveled the world, put a band together called your Mom and Him, uh in the early 2000s, and we toured Asia. And ironically, I just we just came back with Odyssey and good company. We just got back from a six-week uh, tour in Asia, New Zealand and Australia, so you guys are talking about burnout. Like we're, we're, the band is starting to feel like the, the like that that feeling of like burnout because we we our sleep patterns are all messed up. Like I'm sleeping like 15 hours a day, trying to get back into the, the flow of things on the east coast. So um yeah, we 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 did uh, we did about 30 shows um, in the past six weeks, um, and it was a lot of moving around. We had flights upon flights because in New Zealand and Australia you can't just drive and you have to fly to a lot of locations because the travel is so long that it's just easy to catch flights and we're talking about uh, accommodating eight people for flights at the same time and having to go to get visas and you know the okay to come into these countries and play music for the people which we had a, a blast doing but it, it, it came with this, uh, this fair share of like uh, trials and tribulations I, I'll put it like that <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, that's so much to do in such a little amount of time. And I imagine you don't have a whole lot of control over how many shows you play um, and how much time or how little time you have to get to the next gig. So the thing that I'm always curious about, and, and maybe you're better at doing it some tours than other, but what do you do for self-care and how do you think about trying to avoid that burnout?
2: We try to, we, like, on, on this particular tour, like, I, I can say we, we, took, we had to take time where we, we had to say no to certain things. Like um, they wanted us to to go out and do a lot of sightseeing, and you know, and we, we tend to have a couple of days off where we're, we're we're playing shows every day, and then we'll get like two or three days off where we can just kind of like rest and kind of replenish ourselves. Um, but sometimes it, it can be a, it can be a bit stressful when they want us to come out and do all these things before sound check, and we just have to you have to say no. You have to know when your body's. You need to, you know, rest your body and, like, you know, replenish yourself. So I think that's the best way we go about doing it is just knowing when to say when and when to say okay and when to say, you know, we should just be resting before a show. Because doing a lot of stuff before shows and you're talking about traveling before shows and then going to play a show, a lot of a lot of goes into, like, a production for a show, especially when you're on tour. Like, people see it as, like, an hour or 90-minute shows. But a lot of times we're there for six, seven hours prior to that show and we're doing sound checks a lot of times for me since i'm the musical director um I'm, I'm going through lighting cues with the lighting guys fortunately we travel with our own front of house uh, uh sound engineer who does front of house and he also does our monitors so we don't have to worry about that aspect of it anymore but before he came on you know it's uh before ari came on his name's Ari vanderthal before he came on it was a lot more uh stress involved into like the the sound checking because we're, we're working with new people every single time and you know they don't really care as much about your setup as you do so you know you have to like really be cognizant of that when you when you go out on the road and you're touring and stuff
1: so dennis throughout the show we've also been talking about the glorification of burnout culture um hmm. do you think that plays out in the media industry um and in, in, in the workplace broadly, do you feel like when you're uh playing shows and you're conversing with people who are also in the same industry as you uh, there's constantly like a back and forth of like oh you're stressed out, I'm stressed out Does, That's is that definitely happening?
2: definitely it's always like you know I'm playing these shows i got I got this tour coming up and it's like, you know it's, it's, it's always a constant comparison to the two and all of it is just work, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day. It's like we're all, like, burning the candle at both ends, so to speak. So it's uh, it happens, though. It definitely happens. Um, we we're, With Odyssey and Good Company, I think we, we have the ability, since we have a booking agency and a management company that takes care of all of our stuff, we are fortunate enough to do a lot of shows. Like last year, um, 2017, we did over 130 shows. And in the midst of that, you guys have been playing uh, the live record that I executive produced. Um, I mixed, I curated that record while we were on the road. You know, so it, was, it took three months of picking the songs from each show we recorded. I think over sixty shows of those one hundred and thirty plus shows that we did, and having to pick those show pick those songs from those shows, and then go back and forth with the engineer about which songs we're going to use and. Mixes and all that stuff. It took about three months while we were still on the road. So a lot of that was done in the tour, on the tour bus, you know. So, and you talk to other people and they, they can, they can also say, like, well, you know, you were doing that, but I, I also had to do this record, that record, you know. So it becomes a comparison. Um, but I think it's all good. Like we, we all have a lot of things that we're trying to accomplish and a lot of goals that we set for ourselves. So I think it creates a, a healthy competition amongst uh, artists. If, if that's um, a thing, like I, I think it creates that, and it makes the camaraderie even even greater because everybody is working. So you see your friends going out and touring, and you, you get a chance to like meet your friends in other parts of the world, which is also a blessing. So it, I think it's I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a negative necessarily. It just it, it's definitely there, though. It's definitely there.
3: Yeah. I'm I'm also curious, you know, if, you know, over your your 20 years of playing bass, if you've noticed any culture change between bands that you've been in or musician friends that you have, if there's a better culture now of, you know, encouraging people to take time off when they seem really stressed out or to maybe skip a couple of gigs or to seek out some some counselors or some help through therapy is has that become a, a greater conversation, do you think?
2: I think so. I think amongst my friends we we've talked about like burnout and like saying no to certain gigs. Like having to and I think it becomes when you have the ability to say no because of the risk that you take. Like it's it's hard to say no to gigs when you're not making a lot of money doing gigs. But it's easier to say that when you let's say you have one gig that's paying you with the three gigs with pay. Like you can say no to the other two gigs because you're making that money up, you know, with the one gig. But it's, it's not a lot of people. A lot of people aren't fortunate to be in that situation. A lot of people just have to work. And so that burnout is a natural it's, it's a natural reaction to, like, having to work as much. But I, amongst my friends, like, we talk about, like, therapy, like, going to life. Like, life coaches is, is like, uh, the mainstay in conversation that I have with my friends. Like, I, I, I'm adamant about life coaching. It, it helped me a lot through a period when I was going through some rough times. And, you know, just to have that opportunity to bounce the ideas off of somebody who's non-biased and is trying to help you get better at being a better person. So it definitely comes up in conversation.
1: Yeah, and, and thank you for sharing that experience on air. I think you know, that's helpful to a lot of people who are not only in the media industry, but who are in any industry that are sort of struggling with, do I seek out help? Do I not seek out help? So, Dennis, um, you know, we want to ask you, what's their typical uh, life like as a musician? Walk us through your t- typical day.
2: Um, like a day on tour or a day and, uh, at home?
3: Because it's two different, two different things. Yeah, I mean, you I just came a from note. a tour, so maybe yeah. that. But I think it's also, you know, interesting to think about like your life here. You're playing a lot of different gigs with different bands, which might be different.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, tour, tour is, I treat tour. And I tell people this all the time, touring is like being a part of a musical theater production, for me, personally. Since I'm a musical director, um, I'm drilling. Like, we we, we typically have a, a, a lobby call where we all meet in the lobby to go to the venue. Um, if we get to the venue, we set up. It takes about, if we're running smoothly, it takes about 45 minutes to get to a sound check. Um, unless it's a new show, then it takes about an hour and an hour and a half to get through uh, a rehearsal kind of sound, tr- sound check run through. And that's me uh, spot-checking songs, um, making sure the lighting cues are straight, um, and then uh, making sure that everything is cool with front of house um, for the first part of production. After, like, two weeks of that, it really becomes like a theater gig. Like, we just kind of roll in, and then everything's kind of already set up. We just we, we just kind of go through the motions of sound check and make sure that everybody's straight. Yeah. With the you know, in ears and all that stuff, and then we play the show. We're usually done uh, with Odyssey and Good Company specifically. It's a ninety-minute show, give or take uh, ten or fifteen minutes if we do encore pieces. And uh, we run through the show, and we're out of the building if the show is at nine o'clock. We're in our hotel room by like eleven thirty. So it's really, it's really, we have it down to a science. We know how to get in and get out. At home. Um, a little different because my family's here so I have to do uh, take my son to school (laughs) you know pick him up from school uh, you know and then uh, if I have a gig like tonight I have a gig in like eight minutes uh, playing with uh, friends of mine like it's just I I make sure that I kind of leave out early enough to get to the gig because I I think one of the things that uh, is super important is is being uh, on time (laughs) like being on time and being polite and being professional and part of being a professional is being on time. So I've been down here waiting uh for about an hour and a half to go play this gig. <laughs> wow. And then, you know, it depends, like like late night in soda, when I when I play late night soda with Tyler League, uh we it's kind of the same thing we get there around eleven thirty, it starts at twelve. And then we are out by two o'clock in the morning, we're done by two o'clock. And, you know, um it it it, 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 it varies with the different artists. Like well, most of the time the gigs are pretty much the same in terms of like how you prepare for them like if i have to learn music i will transcribe like chart out my tunes try to rehearsal if there is a rehearsal Um, because i I don't like going into rehearsal unprepared so i will will do all the things i need to do to make sure that i'm not wasting anybody's time when i get to rehearsal and then i play shows and i try to be as professional as possible (laughs) well that's, that's it
1: well dennis um you know, th- thanks for being on the show. I want to say a couple things. First off, uh, your fan, your fan called in and said, "Miss Lockett, your um, tennis teacher says." Hi. Oh
2: yeah, Bobby Lockett. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just it on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. We're I making all
3: I, kinds of I, connections on the radio today. I
1: haven't
2: seen it since my high school graduation. Amanda Casillas. But that was a couple of years ago. I'm not gonna tell you how many years ago. it was a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, I would, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I was with her like every day for like every day in the summer. I was with her playing tennis every day.
1: <laughs> well, she says hope hope you're doing well, um, and okay. just to finish out, where can people find you next?
2: Um, well, tonight I'll be at Ben 1301. Literally and, in the uh, next
1: six minutes.
2: Yeah, I'll be there, and then uh, you can go to my website. Uh, MrDTurner.com and check the dates uh, for things that are coming up in the new year. I know for a fact, uh, January 16th through 19th, I'll be at Blues Alley with Frederick Johnny. So if you are in the Georgetown area, town, in town during that week of January, please come out. It's going to be two shows a night. If you haven't seen Frederick Johnny, he's an amazing musician, harmonica player. He's um, Dave Chappelle's musical director. Um, he toured with Prince for five years. He toured with Steve Miller and the songs of his life that he just did recently. He's a very amazing musician. You would be incredibly a treat if you get to see that show. So that's January 16th through 19th. Uh, we'll be there. And I'm doing a couple shows with another artist, uh, uh, Doc Smith, in February. So those dates will all be posted on my website. at mrdchurnal.com. You check it out.
1: Well, Dennis, thank you so much. You've offered some really incredible insight um, about Thank you
2: guys for having me. I really appreciate it.
3: Yeah. Thank, <laughs> you. thank you so much. And thanks for your yeah, kind words
1: you about you. the show. I hope you enjoy All your good. gig.
3: Yeah, good luck. All Break well. leg. You
1: guys are welcome. You know we will. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, Dennis.
2: bye, bye. Take care. Jersey because Chicago is my city, my home. 186, where well, I would never, ever leave it alone. Pop a gator sticks. The church gave me the microphone. Uh-huh. After 05. I knew that it was time to roam Had to head south to come up on the knowledge of my roots Nashville, Cashville. Mm, I miss you Southern bells, I had to ring them Them alphas, I had to be one After 07, this cat had to be gone Came to D.C. to climb that hill They call it the capital Policy and hearings for five years I had to tackle The fear and lack of self-worth That tormented my soul Cause politics is usable Make you feel cold Went down a black alley Came out with a rare essence After all, I learned a couple of lessons Look I could complain, but I came to see that D.C.'s been good to me. It may not be your city or your hometown. D.C.'s been good to me. Uh, Keep that Go-Go Funk groove going round and round.
3: D.C.'s been good to
2: me. Chuck Brown, R-E-E-U. D.C.'s been good to
3: me.
2: Thanks for giving us that Go-Go.